But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus. The doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you, or shalom. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters in Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. One more final passage of Scripture, begging your patience, is in Matthew sixteen thirteen.
When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They say, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I want to turn your attention back to John, where I'll be taking my text from today. Verse chapter 20. Jesus speaking to Thomas directly in verse 27 says, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. And I want to speak on what the Lord has given me for this morning. I shall entitle this thought today, The Divine Revelation. The Divine Revelation. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word that's forever settled in heaven. I ask, O oh Lord Jesus, that you would move in this house today. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done, O oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, by your power and by your spirit, Lord Jesus, I ask, O oh Lord, that your word would go forth. Let it not return void, but let it find its perfect lodging place in the hearts of men and women, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it and give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of the Lord. We find here a story that has been often told. Whereas that Thomas had somewhat of a difficulty in believing that a divine miracle had occurred. This same man had spent 
some three and a half years in the presence of the Lord, had seen many wondrous signs and miracles that occurred. But yet in spite of being an eyewitness to some of the greatest miracles and demonstrations of God's power, this man had to struggle yet with his faith. His faith was not as strong as some of the others. He was not among the inner circle. <coughs> and perhaps because of his lack of faith, maybe that is why that he was not chosen to be among the inner circle. We do not know. But there came a time after the horrible and hideous crucifixion where the horror of watching their Savior not only being taken from them, <coughs> but also their dreams were now being shattered. Pardon me while I take on a little water. It shook them to the core because not only was it their friend, not only was it their savior, it was their Messiah. For it had been prophesied that the Messiah, the anointed one, would come. And that there would be a kingdom set up. Although they misunderstood thinking that it was a physical kingdom on earth. Not fully understanding the prophetic utterances that it was to be a kingdom of the spirit. But yet we find that these select men, all of them up until the garden of Gethsemane and the betrayal of Judas's kiss, <coughs> up until that time, even slightly thereafter when the temple guards reached to seize the Lord, that Peter grabbed a sword somewhere and tried his best to aim for the middle of Malchus's head, but missed and sliced his ear. Peter was committed. Thomas was committed. All of the disciples were committed up until this point. But then there was a tipping point, a turning point, of the whole situation. And now, as Jesus reached down and placed the ear in another miracle back on Malchus's head, and it was healed instantly, it did something to them. For suddenly, there was a nonviolent reaction from the Lord, and there was no turning point to catapult them into leadership in Jerusalem 
And now everyone took a step back. The guard stepped in again and ushered Jesus away to a kangaroo court and imprisonment. At the conclusion of all of these things, we find Thomas hearing the words of the disciples. We've seen the Lord. Well, the last time that I seen him, he was on a cross, struggling with life that was left in his body. I don't really know if I can believe that. I had my faith all built up. And I anticipated there to be a great change to what's going to take place in our nation and that we would see the fulfillment of prophecy. But today, it does not look very well for those prophecies. For the Messiah that we chose to believe in is gone. They made a mockery out of everything that we chose to believe in. And if you want to believe that you saw him, then that's your business. But unless this man that you claim to be Jesus lets me look Put my finger in the prince. Let me put my hand where there was, I saw the sword go in and blood and water flowed. Unless I can put my hand there. I'm sorry, boys. You go pedal that to somebody else. I just, I can't believe. And the Bible says that it was about eight days. You know the Lord doesn't get in a hurry. You know, if it had been me or you, we'd been the Lord, we'd say, well, I'll tell you what, bub. This day, you'll find out for sure. But for eight long days... The Lord let old Thomas just wander around in his doubt for eight long days. And on the eighth day, they're all sitting around, no doubt trying to talk Thomas into what they've seen and what they've heard. And then suddenly, they look and there's Jesus. He didn't come in a door. He just he just appeared to them. Peace be unto you. Yes, Lord. And without speaking to all of the disciples that were there, only one was missing, and that was Judas. Without speaking to any of them, he turns his attention to Thomas. 
And he repeats the words that Thomas said. Come on, Thomas. Reach here your finger. And behold my hands. And reach here your hand. And thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Now it has been said all of my life that Thomas actually did it, but we have no proof. We can assume that he did. But then again, it may have been that it was not necessary. But whether or not that he actually brought his finger and put it in the scars of those nails in his hands, whether or not he actually took his hand and thrust it in that side that had that fresh wound that was covered over now with flesh. Whether or not he did all of that is really not what is important in this story. But what really is important is what really did indeed happen. We don't know if he actually touched those wounds or not. But we do know there was one thing that did occur. And that was that he received that day a divine revelation of who the Lord really was. That day as he stood there and the Lord said, go ahead, touch my hands and my side. Uh, Thomas, uh, he certainly, uh, something, a light bulb went on and suddenly all of the fear uh, and all of the doubt and uh, all of the anguish uh, of the crucifixion uh, and the trials uh, and the dying uh, and all of those things, uh, it all went out the window and he looked uh, into the eyes of the Lord uh, and he said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. You'd look at Thomas and you can say all you want about his doubt. But there was one thing about Thomas. That when he got in the presence of the Lord, he knew that that God had given him divine revelation. No man could give it to him. Those that he'd spent in close proximity for three and a half years had become good friends. No doubt they knew each other quite well after that length of time spending so much time together that no doubt there was amount of trust between them that 
was not to be found anywhere else, but yet still, in spite of all of that trust and in spite of all of that believing, there was still Thomas that said, I'm sorry, I just cannot believe unless I can find out for myself. And the Lord gave him a divine revelation. I came today to tell somebody that you need to get a divine revelation of who Jesus is and what it's all about in your world. Oh, it's one thing to spend time in the presence of the Lord, but it's another thing to get a divine revelation of who the Lord really is. Too many people want to be in the presence of the Lord. But they don't want to get a divine revelation of him. I want to be around him just enough to feel better. I want to be around long enough to get the blessings. I want to be around just long enough that I won't feel so bad about what I'm going through. Maybe if he can somehow uh, break me through uh, and break me loose uh, of my problem, uh, then that's all that I really want. Uh, I come for the lows, uh, and I came for the pishes. Uh, I came for the miraculous. Uh, I came for the blessing. Uh, I came to feel good uh, and to feel the presence of the Lord uh, and to hear his words, uh, but I did not come for a divine Revelation. Thomas, it's been all of this time, and yet, even though he had been as close as anybody could be, heard his voice, saw the miracles partook of many of them. But you see, that's not enough. You've got to get a divine revelation of who the Lord is. Another man responsible for at least two-thirds of the New Testament epistles. Known as Saul at that time, on the road to Damascus with letters that would bring heartache to many Christians. On the road, he said, I felt that I was doing God a service. Very committed. He had been schooled all of his life in the laws of Moses. No doubt a very devout person that loved God very much. But somehow or another he had found himself in a place where his zeal had taken him a little too far down that road. And as he goes down the road to Damascus, he has a company with him, 
No doubt they're riding the backs of camels, making their way. And suddenly a light shines from heaven. The Bible says that it caused Saul to fall to the earth. It shocked him so much and scared him so bad he fell off the camel and hit the ground. I don't know if I'd want to be riding on the back of an animal and fall off like that. Here we find Saul falls to the earth. And he hears a voice calling his name. Saul. Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And the revelation began. Who art thou, Lord? I know you're Lord, but I don't know you. I know a lot about your word and, and the law of Moses that was given under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. I know some of the law, but I don't know who you are. Who art thou, Lord? And the Spirit of the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. What must I do? He said, you go on to the city, and you stay there, and you pray. And there will be somebody that will come and tell you what you need to do. The divine revelation came unto Paul that day. Saul became Paul because of the divine revelation. Even though he loved God, that wasn't quite enough. Even though he was schooled in the word of God, that was still yet not enough. Even though that he was eager to do the will of God, that too was not enough. But there had to be a divine revelation in order for him to please God. And I've got news for you today. You can come and you can do the things that you think please God, but until you get a divine revelation of who he is and what he's about, you'll never please God. And now we go to another man. It's just long before the crucifixion. Jesus in private to his disciples said, Who men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, some say you're John. Some say you're Elijah. Maybe one of the prophets. Then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And there he is, the man with the big mouth, 
the man that spoke often before he thought, but this time he was right on target. Man named Peter said, I know that answer. <laughs> Thou art the Christ, you are the anointed one. You're the one that is to come. You're the, you're the Messiah that's to come. Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one that is to come. Thou art the Christ, the Son or the flesh of the living God. You're the one that is to come. You're the one that has been prophesied to come. I know who you are. And Jesus turned to him. And you see, even though it was a divine revelation, still yet Peter did not quite conceive everything that God was imparting to him. Oh, you see, you said flesh and blood haven't revealed this unto you but my Father which is in heaven. Oh, yeah. He said, you've received a revelation today that did not come from you, but it came from God Almighty. That divine revelation was imparted unto Peter, but yet Peter did not fully understand everything that he knew and everything that God had given him. So now we move a little bit into his life. Matthew 26 and verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus at Galilee. Uh, let's, let's pause right here. Mm -hmm. There's been the Last Supper. Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take, drink, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Mm -hmm. All of these things. And he washed their feet, and we could get into all of that. But after that, he leads them, I believe it's to the Mount of Olives. Mm -hmm. That's right. And he tells them, said, there's going to be, every one of you going to be offended at me before this thing's over. That's right. Before the night's over, you're going to be offended at me, and... Oh, Peter, I wish you'd learn how to keep your mouth shut. Oh, I won't be offended. You don't have to worry about me. I'll, 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 you don't have to worry. I'll defend you. I'll defend you to the very last. And Jesus turns and looks at him, and he says, Peter, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to die, deny me three times before the cock crows. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And then it's Peter just can't seem to keep his mouth shut. If you read the rest of it, Peter comes back and says, Oh, no, I won't deny you, Lord. Uh-uh. No. Now we find... Peter comes to see the end. It's, it's been the, the Garden of Gethsemane and all of that situation. And now they've moved over to Caiaphas' court. And this is where we find mm -hmm. Peter. Read. Now Peter sat without in a palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. You, you were with the that guy that they're trying right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've seen you with him. <laughs> right. What did he say? But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. I don't even know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. 
And when he had gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And this he, guy uh-huh. right here, that guy right there. There he is. He was with that Jesus of Nazareth. This guy right here, he was with him. Well, go ahead. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. This time he got a little more serious. Mm-hmm. He said, I swear to you, I give you an oath. Mm-hmm. I, there's no way that I did it. Right. I don't know this guy. Mm-hmm. Now, according to Mark's gospel and what we can understand about Mark, he got his words directly from Peter. And Jesus actually said, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me thrice. The other gospels say only once, but Mark says twice. So at this point, the cock crew, but he didn't hear it. It didn't sink in. And so now we continue with the story. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them. (laughs) You've got to be one of them. And here's the part that's interesting. Go ahead. For thy speech betrayeth thee. Your speech. Yeah. You sound like one of them Galileans. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You talk like them. Not only did I see you there, uh-huh. you sound just like one of them. Yeah. Your speech betrays you. Mm-hmm. So what does Peter do with the speech mm-hmm. aspect of this story? Then he began, then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. He said, oh, mm-hmm. he began to say some nasty things. Yep, yep. Because now he wanted to separate his speech. He didn't want to sound like them anymore. I separate myself. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't know the man. Uh-huh. And then the cock crew. Mm-hmm. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. So we find where... Peter remembers the words of the Lord. Now, you know, Judas only denied the Lord once. Peter denied him three times. And before you get all excited about the man that spoke in Acts 2.38, and stood before the multitude and preached a message of conviction upon that crowd. I want to remind you this is the same fellow that just got done cussing, that just got done sinning against his own Lord. Luke's gospel puts it that Jesus actually saw him at the point of this betrayal, and he remembered the words of the Lord. And he went out and wept bitterly. 
It's a miracle, Brother Charles, that the scriptures does not bear out that there was a second suicide because you see, he had much more on his mind. He had a lot more to have to carry than even Judas had to carry. Oh, he had to go out and get everything straight. Somehow or another, he had to go and call upon God. And the Bible says that he didn't just weep. He wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. But yet there was something that was coming back around. For you see, in the beginning, he had been given the revelation. <laughs> oh, he had been given a revelation. Even though he could not quite grasp all that the revelation meant. And now we're at his denial, the lowest point of his life. But yet God had other things in mind. Somebody said, I've not been faithful to the Lord. I have failed him again and again. And I don't know if God can ever use me. If he doesn't use you, friend, then he'll have to apologize to Peter because God is in the business of forgiving and giving divine revelation that you may know who he is. Mark 16, verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, mm -hmm. they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. Yeah, go ahead. And they said among themselves, who shall roll away Roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre. Which you ladies are going to be strong enough mm -hmm. to get yourself behind that big old stone. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I got enough weight to push that thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, mm -hmm. for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, uh -huh. clothed in long white garment, and they were affrighted. They were, they were scared to death. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Read this a little slower. But go your way. Go tell, your way. Tell his disciples. And tell his disciples. And Peter. Stop right there. Go your way. Uh -huh. This is the angel talking. Uh -huh. You go and tell his disciples, but don't. <laughs> don't forget Peter. Right. I got something special for Peter to do. Mm -hmm. He's already been given a revelation that uh -huh. he doesn't understand. Uh -huh. There's going to be things that he's going to do that's great. You be sure that you don't overlook Peter. Right. And he goeth before you. Mm -hmm. In the Galilee. Go ahead. There shall you see him. And he said, as he said unto you. All right. Let's go to that next reading. John 21, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas. Now this is after Thomas and his experience. Mm -hmm. 
this is after that Peter got frustrated and said, I'm going fishing. Mm-hmm. The rest mm-hmm. of them said, I'm going with you. Mm-hmm. And they fished all night. Children, have you got anything? No. Mm-mm. Cast your net on the other side. Right. Right. After all that's happened, now they're enjoying the blessings. Right. Now, this is where we're headed for the rest of this message. Come and on, we're about to close. Come on. Go ahead. Simon, son of Jonas. Simon. Lovest thou me more than these? Now, he's saying a lot because this is how that Simon Peter had made his living before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you love me more than these fish? Mm-hmm. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now, I don't want you to read this too fast. Mm-hmm. Because I got some stuff I want to show you. Come on. Come on. Jesus, when he said love, in the Greek, it's agape. Right. Agape means abundant love or a love feast. Love that is the closest thing that we can describe as God's love. Right. It's greater than any man's love. It's greater than any love that can be demonstrated by man. The agape love. And Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, agape, thou me more than these. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest that I filio love thee. Filio means brotherly love. Look it up. That's a friendship between brethren. When I say I love this man, it's a filio love. It's a brotherly love. It's a love between brethren. It's a close affection, but it's a type of love that the Greeks call filio love. And this is how that Peter responded back. Jesus said, do you love me like this? Peter said, I love you like this. Right, right. Right. Come on. He said unto him, and I'm going back to the Greek because I've studied this out. Come on. Nourish my little ones. Oh, nourish my little ones. Come on. Then nourish my little ones. All right. Go ahead. He said to him again the second time. Simon. Simon, son of Jonas. Agape. Thou me. Thou me. Second time. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. That I filio thee. Uh huh. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. This time, he says, I want you to be a shepherd to my sheepfold. That's oh. the original Greek. Oh, wow. He's changed it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. He's trying. <laughs> uh huh. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get him to see the divine revelation. Mm-hmm. Come on. It's more than knowing that thou art the Christ. Uh-huh. Thank God for that. But there's something more personal here that he's trying to drive home. Yeah. 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 Simon, do you agape me? Lord, yeah. you know I feel you. Uh-huh. Then you need to be a shepherd to my sheep. Right. Right. 
Right? He said unto the Lord, said unto him the third time, Simon, son Simon, of Jonas. Simon, son of Jonas. Lovest thou me? This time Jesus changed his love mm -hmm. to filio. Mm -hmm. He said, all right, let's put this on the level that you love me. Uh -huh. I'm going to change this back to filio. Mm -hmm. Peter was grieved. Peter was grieved. Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Don't you understand? Mm -hmm. I want you to love me like this. Yeah. But since you don't have that capacity... And I'm going to come to you on the same level in which you love me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you the same thing that I said in the verse before. I want you to shepherd my sheepfold. Yes. You've got a leadership position coming. Uh -huh. There's some great things that I have in store for you. This is your divine revelation. Yeah. Next verse. This is your divine revelation. I'm going to give you great power. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be the one that's going to deliver the keys to the kingdom. Just a few days hence. But wait, there's more I've got to tell you. Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Verily, verily, I say unto thee. When thou wast young. When you were young. Thou girdest thyself. And walked whither thou wouldest. Clothed yourself and you walked where you wanted to walk. But when thou shalt be old. When you're going to be old. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands. And another shall gird thee. And another shall gird thee. And carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Where you would rather not go. Jesus was prophesying of the manner of death. This man would die. Because you see, according to tradition, they were going to put him on a cross and crucify him just like his Lord. He said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. So they crucified him upside down. And he stretched forth his hands. You see, the will of God's not always pleasant. But God wants to reveal to you that divine revelation that will change your life. You see, Peter had to have that divine revelation that he was to be the shepherd of the sheepfold, the under-shepherd, if you will, the one that was to guide this new work in Jerusalem. Peter was going to be the man that was going to do this. And in other places he was going to, he was going to be an under-shepherd. And the Lord was saying, I've got great things, but there's also other things that you're not going to understand, but it's part of the divine revelation. I'm giving you divine revelation. And I know I've been long-winded today, but I'm telling somebody here today, it's one thing to come into this house and the 
feel the presence of God as the singing goes forth and the preaching goes forth. You're in the presence of God, but that does not constitute that you have received a divine revelation. The divine revelation comes when you spent time in his presence and God reveals to you things about himself and about you that he wants you to do in his world and in his kingdom. I declare unto somebody, God is looking for somebody that would listen to the divine revelation. But will it be just another Sunday message that we file away, make a comment or two about it, and then put it behind us and never think of it again? Come on, Sister Misty. Job said, after he had suffered greatly, no, God didn't bring it, but God did allow it. First, he lost those very close to him, including a relationship with his wife. So how do you know that? Because she said, just curse God and die. She didn't care if he lived either. And he turns to her and says, you talk like a foolish woman. I'd say that's kind of a relationship problem, wouldn't you? And the devil comes back to the Lord. Ah, skin for skin. You let me touch his flesh. He'll curse you to his face. He'll curse you to your face. You just let me, just let me in his flesh. Go ahead. But you can't have his life. Just his flesh. Just his body. I don't know about you. But I'm not so sure I'd enjoy big old hard boils show up all over my body. And I get so miserable that I get a piece of broken pottery and start scraping that mess off of me to get rid of the pain of that pus. He left bigger wounds trying to get that junk off of him. Not to mention his so-called friends was sure to constantly call him a big hypocrite. No good for nothing. You must have done something to make God do this to you. Has to be something hidden in your life. Go ahead and confess. After it was all said and done. And now, 
all the wounds began to heal and life begins to return to somewhat of normalcy. We hear Job saying this prayer to the Lord. In Job 42, verse 5. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eye seeth thee. What happened, Job? Somewhere in the midst of all of that struggle. And I had no promise that I would survive. But somewhere, Brother Charles, in the midst of all of that trouble, I received a divine revelation. I received a divine revelation because before, all I knew about God, Sister Hannah, was what I heard about Him. I knew about Thee by the hearing of the ear. All I knew about Him is what I had been told. But after suffering through this stuff, I see Him. I see the handiwork of God now. Now, now, I, I can see God work. Sister Christy, you like me were raised in church. And all you knew about God is what you heard. But then, there came a time. When you had to get a divine revelation that puts you past all the pain and the fear and the doubt and says, God, now I don't just know you by what I've been told. I know you because what I have seen you do. I've told the devil and I'm trying to close. I really am. When it comes to me to torment me, and believe me, cancer has fear. Just so you know, I chose to stop my medication because it's causing more trouble than it's worth. I'm supposed to see the doctor the first of November. I don't know what he's going to tell me. Because he had told me last time I was taking the, the chemo of last resort. And now, that's not worked. I don't want waiting on me. But when the devil comes and torments with fear, you know what I do? I reach back to the things God has done for me that are undeniable. And I bring them up and I say, the devil, I know what God did. Because that was a divine revelation.
of who he was. He revealed himself to me. And I see God with my eyes now. Whereas before, when I was raised in church, it was only based on what I had been told. But now I experience it for myself. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today that you need a divine revelation. If you've had one in the past, then you need to bring it out of the past and put it in the present and remind the enemy of your soul that you still are walking with the Lord because you have divine revelation. Jesus said in John 6, 44, stand with me, I'm done. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. You know what that tells me, Brother Justin? You can't get close to God unless you've had a divine revelation. God has to draw you by His Spirit. What you're feeling today, if you're feeling anything at all, it's God drawing you by His Spirit for a divine revelation because you cannot serve God without it. You can be in the presence of God without it. You can attend church without it. You can enjoy the blessings of God without it. You can have knowledge of the Word of God without it. But you can't be saved without it. You've got to have that divine revelation. Open these altars for everyone to come. Let God give you a fresh revelation. Say, well, the Lord gave me revelation way back. Well, you talk to Peter about that. He had a revelation back in chapter 16. But he went back on it when it come time for denial. God had to give him a fresh perspective. Maybe you need a fresh perspective. Don't, don't kneel back at your chair. I'm asking you, come. Come to the front. And let's talk to the Lord for a little while. Come on.